Cotney Attorneys and Consultants is dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal, business, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law and Mortar with John Kenny and Trent Cotney. Welcome, everybody. It's another session of Law and Mortar. Today, I got a special guest with us, Ben Briggs, an attorney here at Cotney Attorney and Consultants. Ben's specialty practice is employment law. Looking forward to speaking with Ben today. How are you, Ben? I'm doing well, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Welcome to our show. I know this is your first time on. Um, we have a great audience out there that always has a thirst for as much knowledge as we can put out there. So it'll be a, should be a good show. So today, I know there's a lot going on out there. Uh, things, especially on your end of an employment law, change, if not uh, monthly, weekly, sometimes daily, the way things go today with the different laws. So a couple of things. Um, think it'd be good to bring up in the beginning is uh, I know recently the CDC has made some changes that may affect some employee employers. Yeah, yeah. So earlier this week, the CDC updated their guidelines with respect to employees who have been vaccinated. So, you know, obviously the CDC, you know, basically since March of last year has been putting out different guidelines for employers with how they should handle COVID-19 within their workplace, you know, what to do um, as far as masks and social distancing, what to do if somebody has symptoms of COVID or test positive or has been exposed. Um, and those guidelines have been changing, you know, kind of on a daily week or weekly basis throughout the last year and some change. And then just this week, they were updated with respect to employees who've been vaccinated. Specifically, um, the CDC is now saying if you have an employee who has been fully vaccinated, and I'll, dis I'll discuss what that means in the eyes of the CDC in a second. But if you have an employee who's been fully vaccinated, that employee no longer has to stay out of work simply because that employee's been exposed to somebody who had COVID-19. Prior mm -hmm. to this update, um, the CDC had been telling employers, if you have an employee who over the weekend or whatever it might be, was exposed to somebody with COVID-19, that employee had to stay out of the workplace out of a, an abundance of caution, they stay out of the workplace for seven days or 10 days or 14 days, depending on the circumstances. Now they're saying if that employee has been exposed to COVID-19, but that employee has been fully vaccinated, that employee no longer has to stay out of the workforce. You can, you can still have that employee at the workplace, whether it's an offsite job or in the office, as long as the fully vaccinated employee is not showing any COVID-19 symptoms. So if you have a fully vaccinated employee who's not showing any symptoms, we're no longer gonna hold that employee out of the workplace out of uh, caution. We're gonna assume because they were fully vaccinated and they have no symptoms that they don't have the virus and they can continue working despite being exposed to somebody who had COVID-19. Um, and just to be clear, when the CDC says fully vaccinated, what they mean is the employee has gotten, um, if it's Moderna or Pfizer, there's, there's two different doses. They've gotten both of the doses and it's been at least two weeks since the second dose. Or if it's the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine, which is only one shot, then it's been two weeks since that one shot. Um, but either way, simply getting the, the last shot in and of itself doesn't mean you're fully vaccinated yet, according to the CDC. You still have to wait two weeks after that last shot in order for the vaccine to have taken full effect. So once that's happened, you're fully vaccinated, now that employee, even if they're exposed to COVID-19, they can still continue working for you. Again, whether it's off in the field or at a job site, or you know, if it's in the office you have. The other thing too, they said in the same update, um, if you have employees, if all of your employees are fully vaccinated, 
you are no longer required to wear masks or social distance within the office. So up until this point, the CDC has been recommending that if you're working inside of an office, you're supposed to social distance to the extent you can and wear masks. But now they're saying if all of your people have been fully vaccinated, you can take off those masks inside the office, you can stop socially distancing, you're fine. Um, and, and that's again what they're saying if everybody's been fully vaccinated within your office. Well, this is a great point. I know just to jump back to one of the points you made, which is very important because I've been seeing in the news that there's been a large percentage of people not going back for their second shot. So important to note on the Pfizer and the Moderna that you brought up, those are two-shot vaccination. So they have to receive both and then have the two-week waiting period. So yeah, right. You don't get any you don't get any points for getting one of the two. No, there's this isn't horseshoes. You know, you don't getting close isn't good enough. You got to get all the way there. Only horseshoes and hand grenades that counts, right? right. Yep. <laughs> Um, another topic that I've been uh, seeing out there and we've been getting some questions on, Ben, is about uh, companies wanting to or our companies are doing it, whether it's right, wrong or different. And you'll be able to explain this to us, your, your thoughts and that on it by law. Mandated policies to mandate vaccinations inside of your company. Right. Yeah. So, you know, with the you got to keep in mind that we're talking about these vaccines in the context of a pandemic. And so the, you know, the, the state health department has literally is, is named COVID-19 to be a pandemic, which means there are different, you know, different you know, regulations and standards that are being applied to what employers can do to uh, prevent or limit COVID-19 in the workplace because it's an ongoing pandemic. So within that context, employers are permitted with a couple of exceptions that I'll talk about, but they are generally permitted if they choose to, to require their employees to get vaccinated if those employees are going to be working within the workplace around other employees or out in the field around customers or members of the public pursuant to their work relationship. So if you have somebody who's just working remotely from home, you cannot require that employee to get vaccinated. But if you have somebody who's a salesperson who's traveling around, going door to door, interacting with people as part of their employment with you, or if they're on a job site as part of a crew, or if they're in your actual office and they're around other people, when it's an employee like that who's being exposed as part of their job to other people, you can require that employee if you choose to as an employer, you can require them to get vaccinated with a couple of exceptions. So one of the exceptions that the, the law has is where if the employee we're talking about, if they have a bona fide uh, disability, that makes it so that they can't get vaccinated. They might have a health condition, something like that. That employee, you are not supposed to require to get vaccinated because again, they have a bona fide uh, disability or health condition that makes getting vaccinated either you know, dangerous, unsafe for them, or maybe they just can't. Um, and there are some employees who have those health <laughs> conditions out there. So if that is the case, and you require that employee to get vaccinated, at that point, you've crossed the line and you're, you're getting into some trouble there. So don't require an employee to do so if they have a bona fide health condition or disability that prevents them from getting vaccinated. Similarly, if you have an employee who has a genuine, legitimate, bona fide religious objection to getting vaccinated, that's another possible exception. Because uh, again, there are laws that protect against religious discrimination and if you have an employee who, again, has a legitimate bona fide religious objection to getting vaccinated, 
that can be another exception to the general rule that employers are allowed to require their employees to get vaccinated while there's this ongoing pandemic. Well, those are definitely some great points and tips because I know that's on the, on the minds of a lot of people out there, not only on the employer side, but on the employee side too. I think there's a lot of uh, miscommunication, misunderstanding, uh, which is usually what finally causes most of the problems in business and in life is miscommunication. Um, so kind of changing gears just a little bit, and I know this has to be uh, more on a larger overview of what I'm gonna ask you the next topic because there's so much involved in this, but recently in the prior elections and that in the different states, a whole lot more states have legalized marijuana either as a recreational or again, a medical, depending on what the states were that passed it. So I've had a lot of questions come up uh, recently and a lot of inquiries about pre-employment screening for marijuana use or you know, how, how, you know, if you could basically exempt from employment. And I know a lot of this will go back to state law, but kind of on that general overview, um, what are some good guidelines that an employer could use when they're trying to put a policy together such as this? Sure, so, you know, like you kind of alluded to, um, when it comes to marijuana, you have the federal law at one level and you got the state law at a different level. And, you know, with a lot of states right now, the state law with respect to marijuana is going to differ from the federal law because federal law still uh, views marijuana as an illegal substance. There, you know, marijuana is not legalized on the federal level, but a lot of states have gone ahead and put in laws that either legalize marijuana completely or decriminalize it. And it kind of falls onto a different spectrum um, depending on which of the 50 states you're living in. Um, but for those states that have gone ahead and made marijuana legal, obviously employees, you know, or just individuals in general within those states are allowed under state law to possess and use marijuana if they have, um, you know, maybe some states require a medical marijuana card or whatever might be required. As long as they meet those requirements and they're, you know, of the certain age, some states require you to be at least 18 or whatever it might be. As long as you are an eligible, you know, individual to, to use marijuana within those states, um, the question becomes, as an employer, can you still essentially discriminate against that employee based on that employee's or, or job applicant's marijuana use? So if you do a pre-employment job screening, a drug test, um, and it comes back positive for marijuana in a state that allows the individual to use marijuana, can you still go ahead and choose to not hire that employee because of that positive drug test? And some states have laws in place that specifically address that issue and protect the job applicant um, from being turned away from the job or being terminated because of that positive test. But a lot of the states that have gone ahead and legalized marijuana have made exceptions to it with respect to employment. So they've said, yes, you're allowed to use marijuana if you meet this criteria, but your employer or prospective employer is still allowed to, to fire you or not hire you if you test positive. Basically, we're allowing you as an individual to use marijuana, but we're also allowing your employer to choose not to employ somebody who's using marijuana. Um, and, and again, it's, it's somewhat similar to the concept of, you know, a doctor might prescribe you um, a narcotic like Vicodin, or something of that nature that you are legally allowed to possess and use because of that, that prescription. But that doesn't mean you're allowed to drive a car under the influence of Vicodin. That doesn't mean you're allowed to operate machinery under the influence of Vicodin. 
just because you're allowed to use something doesn't mean that you're allowed to do whatever you want with that in your system or that an employer has to employ you or put you out on the road or on top of a roof or something with that in your system. So kind of with that backdrop, most states have laws in place that specifically exempt the employment setting such that the employer is still allowed to go ahead and say, I, I want to have a drug-free workplace policy in place. I want to have a no tolerance policy in place. And that means if you test positive, I'm not going to hire you or I'm going to fire you, whatever the case may be, if it's a pre-employment versus a you know, ongoing employee who tests positive during their employment. You know, in most states, the employer is permitted to enforce a drug-free workplace policy, even if the employee who's using the marijuana may be allowed to use the marijuana. They're not, you know, the employer is not required to have that person in their workplace, driving their trucks, on their road, on their job site, you know, whatever the situation may be. Um, but, but one thing to keep in mind whenever you're addressing the issue of, of medical marijuana is that you know, a lot of people who are using medical marijuana in states where, you know, again, medical marijuana is legal, they're doing so because of some underlying health condition. So while you're not required to allow an employee to use marijuana on the job site or be under the influence of marijuana in your workplace, you do have to be careful of what the underlying health condition may be because there is disability discrimination in certain situations where you are discriminating against an employee who has a bona fide disability. So if the employee who is using the medical marijuana has a bona fide disability underlying that medical marijuana use, you might wanna be a little more careful in how you address that employee. Because again, that while they're not allowed to you know, have marijuana in their system or you know, be under the influence while they're working for you potentially, you still wanna be careful if they're taking marijuana because they have you know, cancer or something of that nature. And if you're terminating somebody because of their cancer or the medical um, you know, remedy they're taking for their cancer, it, it adds an extra wrinkle to the situation that you wanna be a little more careful with. So all this is to say, not every situation is gonna be exactly the same because sometimes the circumstances surrounding the marijuana use is gonna be different from, from one employee to the next. Well, these are only three of the thousand complicated employment topics plus out there. And you gave some great information. Uh, I know anybody listening to this, you probably just got about $5,000 worth of consultation uh, tips right there. That's amazing. And Ben, I'm so glad you're on the team because uh, employment stuff is, is so difficult and you're a great resource. And everyone listening here realized this great resource that, that we offer and is heading up our employment division. Absolutely fantastic. So we're almost to the end. And what we like to do is bring in a viewer question. And I did have one pick today that pertains over to you, Ben, because we're honored to have you on here. We don't get you on on a weekly basis. So I thought this was a, a pretty good employment question. Um, so we got a question from our viewer, Joe. Joe had said in this question, he said, he's, uh, says, I am manager of a field. Field, you know, so field employees on uh, construction. He says, from time to time, I find it necessary to have to have a consultation uh, with my employees when they're going, doing something wrong. This is Joe's question. He said, so what is my best way to document that? Um, hoping the employee will improve, but in case he does, he or she does not improve, 
that the company I'm with is covered and I'm also documenting properly in case a termination is needed. So um, let you give a round quick overview of what your thoughts are on that, Ben. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely good to be proactive about not only having those consultations with employees, those corrective action meetings, but also documenting them because you wanna be able to show as an employer that this is not just a one-time thing, this has been happening over time and we, we, we'd worked with the employee, we'd given them opportunities to improve, it just wasn't happening. Um, so documenting that is an important part of the process. Ideally, you document it in such a way where the employee, it's in writing, so it's, you know, you, you can have a standard form. Our office can provide standard forms for employees where, for employers where, you know, it, it indicates the, the date, the name of the employee, describes the situation, uh, talks about who observed it, what witnesses to the incident, and also who met with the employee and on what day. And what you like is to have that all written down. And ideally, the employee goes ahead and signs it. Mm -hmm. By signing it, the employee isn't necessarily acknowledging that they did whatever it is they were accused of doing, so to speak, but they're at least acknowledging that this conversation happened. My supervisor or my superintendent or my crew leader, whoever it is, did meet with me on this day. They did bring this to my attention and they have asked me to make these corrective steps going forward. And you want it to be dated and you want it to be signed by the employee so that you can establish not only that this did in fact occur, but also the timeline. Um, when you just have these loose papers with an employee file that aren't signed, they're not dated, um, they're still better than nothing, but they're not getting you nearly uh, you know, where you wanna go. So you wanna, again, be proactive with having these conversations, but also proactive with taking the time necessary to properly document and date that, and then keep copies of those documents within the employee's uh, file so that you have them, you know, again, if, if maybe three months or three years down the line, that's an important document you have and you've got it there because at the time it occurred, you contemporaneously took the proper steps to document the situation. Excellent answer. So we're coming to the end. Uh, ben, I want to thank you for being our special guest today on Law & Mortar. That being said, it's been a long week. It's been a great productive week for all of us. We'd like to say goodbye, and we'll see you all here again next week. Thank you for joining us.